So it was about a year ago when my son, my oldest son, Cooper, had to make a trip to Denver. You see, he had to go over to Denver. He had to do something that was kind of tough on him. And that year of his life had been a really, really hard one. I mean, the devil had thrown some awful stuff his way. But he went to Denver with a friend of his. And they headed over, and they were going to be staying with my brother over at his house. Now, my brother Brad's house is a different reality, okay? He is super rich. He's got a lot of cash, and he actually lives in a mansion across the street from John Elway. No joke. I have seen John Elway's pool. I've seen his backyard. It's pretty awesome. But going over there is a totally different reality. My children love it. They love it. There is maid service. There is fancy vacations. Lexi went to Hawaii last summer. No joke. There is expensive gifts and shopping trips and all of the things that come with this rich, rich lifestyle. So Cooper headed over with his friend and he stayed with Brad, who is my brother. But our conversations began to stop happening. And when I would start talking to Cooper and I'd call him on the phone, he'd be real quiet and something was going on. And I began to think in my brain, whatever could my brother be doing with my son? I know it's not good. And so what I did is I, I started thinking, okay, I'm just gonna call him. And so he'd stop answering my phone calls. And him and Lexi, Cooper and Lexi, are really, really close. I mean, they are the siblings that, you know, you can give the secret to, and they have a secret about you, so there's no way they're going to unlock it to mom because then their secret would be exposed. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have that relationship with their siblings? Yes. Mothers do not like that, okay? But, so they have this relationship and I, I walk in one day and I see Lexi, she's on the phone with Cooper and she gets quiet. So I walk out and I'm thinking, all right, that's not good, something's going on. So she hangs up the phone and I go in, I'm like, what's going on? What's Cooper doing? I don't know, I'm not sure. You know, those answers, the, hmm, I, I don't know. And it was another conversation just probably a couple hours later that I heard her mutter the words, you better tell mom. Oh yeah. And so I did what any good mother would do. I sat her down and interrogated her. Any good mother. I sat her down, I said, what's going on? What's he doing? What shouldn't he tell me? She was like a sealed container, sealed container. But she did say, Uncle Brad may have bought Cooper something really big. That's it. I believe at that point, an all out warning to every party involved was sent in a text message that said, don't answer your phone. Mom knows something's up. So I called Cooper. His phone was going straight to voicemail. Imagine that. 
I called my mother. She lives with my brother Brad over in Denver, and she said, I'm not sure what they're doing. I don't know what's going on. You guys have grandparents, right? Okay. Pro-grandkids, always. Truth? Truth. So there's always pro-grandkids, never pro-parents. But she immediately dismissed my discussion. She didn't want to talk about it. And I thought, what is going on? So I knew that it would unravel. And the next day, Cooper was scheduled to come home. And so this is when I found the truth. You see, his friend, remember the friend that went with him, that drove him? He came home without Cooper. He came home without him. And so I thought to myself, how will Cooper ever get home? How could he ever come across the pass? Well, let me tell you how Cooper can get home. In his brand new Audi. His brand new Audi, purchased by none other than my brother Brad. But it gets better. He bought him a new wardrobe. He needed some to go in the trunk, right? And he sent him with cash to sort out some of his issues that had been going on in his life. I was outraged. Why ever would my brother give my son a ridiculously fast, expensive sports car? Sports car, what? Why would he do such a thing? Well, let me tell you why. Because when you have a rich uncle, you get to reap the benefits. You get to reap the benefits of having that rich uncle. And the same is true when you become part of God's family. You see, we have a rich father, a super rich father, and we get to reap those benefits. But have any of us ever tapped in to that resource? You see, in John 1:12, it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Did you hear that? We are God's kids. We are. We're sons, we're daughters of the king of the universe, the father of the universe. He's our dad and he loves us. And he has this spread of amazing gifts gifts that we have not even unlocked. And we got a little taste of joy this afternoon, right? Did you guys get some joy and some happiness? But we don't even touch them. You see, the truth is, we find ourselves on a door or behind a door trapped. We listen to lies. We believe we're too unworthy to receive goodness from God. But if we crack open the Bible, we learn why we get these gifts. They're already ours, they are for us. If we go to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, there's a man named Abram. 
Now, Abram was found to be super righteous in the eyes of God. He was a good man. He loved God. He served God. And so this is why we find out we get these gifts. You see, the first thing that we see God do with Abram is give him a nickname. He says, you and I are buds. So he begins to call him Abraham. He goes from Abram to Abraham. And here's what he does. God's hanging out with him one day and he says, I need you to do something for me, Abraham. I need you to leave the land that you know, the land that you have grown up in, the land that you have spent your life in, I need you to leave it and I need you to go to a place that I will show you myself. Leave it all behind and go. So Abraham, being the incredibly righteous, good man, he says, all right. And God says, now when you do this, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you some good things. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless people for you. I'm gonna do all of this stuff. And this is why we get the same blessings. This is why. It's gonna get good. Pay attention, eyes on me, it's gonna be so good. So, I imagine though, the struggle in Abraham's mind. Can you imagine? Your homeland, you grow up somewhere, you know where Chick-fil-A is, you know the roads, you know absolutely everything. Why would you get up and leave? Well, because God told him to, and he did it. So Abraham gets there and he begins to see exactly what God had promised him. Now back then, it wasn't an Audi and some cash and a wardrobe, okay? Back then, he got some land, big deal, nice house. He got some cattle, you were a rich man with some cattle, some sheep, some cows. He had blessings. He had so much that he could bless other people. That is what God poured out to him. So him and God are hanging out one day, and see, Abraham did not have one thing, though. He didn't have one thing. He didn't have any kids. He had no kids. So him and God are hanging. They're, I don't know what they were doing, but they were hanging out, and the Lord takes Abraham outside, outside and he says to him, look up into the sky and count the stars. If you can, could you go outside and count stars? Every single one of them? No, it would be impossible. That's how many descendants or that's how many children you will have. And because of this encounter Abraham had with God, this set us up for his promises. You see, in Galatians 3.29 it says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promises to Abraham belong to you. You are his heirs. The definition of heirs is a person legally entitled to. You are his heirs. Did you catch that? The We are the children God is talking about. That's us. 
That's you and me. When we became children of God, we became the descendants of Abraham that get these blessings. We get the blessings because of Abraham's obedience, because of Abraham's faith, because of Abraham's relationship with the God of the universe. This is rich uncle status confirmed right here. This is rich daddy status confirmed right here. And let me tell you, it gets better. It doesn't have conditions. You can't take it away. It's ours, every single part of it. You can't earn it. There's no clause, there's no cancellation. It's ours. We just have to claim it. We have to claim it. We have to say, yes, I am a child of God. It's mine. I want my blessings. You see, in Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Everything the God of the universe has is ours. It's ours. We were invited to the, to the party and now we learn there's presence. There is presence at the party. So what are these gifts that were promised? I just touched a few when I talked about Abraham, but let's go over the list and let me tell you, this list is not everything. It is endless. When you find out who the God of the universe is and you say, oh, I need this, Lord. You built me, you created me, and I have this need inside of me. He makes a way. But some of these gifts are a great nation. What does that mean? That means you get to be around good people. You get to be surrounded with people you love and around people you love. You get land. You get a nice home with a good family. You get blessings. Now that is one of the biggest boxes because we don't even know what other blessings we get. We get one small taste of this awesome, awesome thing that we need, that we want, but there's more. It's endless. There is more. We get to be a blessing to others. And here's what the Bible says about that. God will give us so much that we have no choice but to bless other people. Because if we have so much, why not give it to people in need? Now it also comes with some protection. God's gonna take care of your enemies. He's gonna give you rewards. He's gonna give you wealth, health, wisdom, peace, rest, laughter. Anybody wanna laugh? Anybody wanna be happy? Some happiness, some joy. How about some victory? I can look at a room full of kids and know you have fought some tough battles. And we need victory. We need it. But you may be looking at me right now thinking, 
I have none of this. And in fact, you lost me at God's kids because my dad is Bob. And Bob has none of this too. Bob has absolutely none of this. I have no rich uncle that I know of. Now I wish he would come out of the woodwork, but I have no rich uncle. So clearly these promises are not for me. But here's the truth. God has enough gifts for every one of his kids. They will never run out. They are always flowing and they are available to every single one of you just because you made a decision to follow them. But it's easy to begin to think they're not for me. Because the truth is we live in a world that tells us we deserve none of this. That if you don't earn it, it's not yours. We live in a world that says, it's not for you. You're not good enough to get it. You're not good enough to have this. Your family will never have that. That's what the world tells us, and here's why. We came to a world that Satan roams and rules. Satan lives in this world and he roams and his entire goal is to lie to you, to steal from you, to kill you, to make you unhappy, to make your family miserable, to do all of those things and to confuse you and tell you you get none of this. Because if you can believe just one of those lies, It'll keep you on the wrong side of the door. It'll keep you over here. You see, in John 8:44, we learn who Satan is. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. He was always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this is how he traps us into believing we need to stay on that side of the door. And we, as a generation, have come to a place where we actually accept that that's where we're supposed to be. We sit in our sadness, we sit in our depression, we sit in all of this unworthiness. And we believe it. We almost feel comfortable suffering. We feel comfortable in mediocre suffering where God's kids were never meant to be. Guys, I have news for you. This is not where you belong. This is where you belong. Just before Cooper headed to Denver that day, he was here. He was right here. Like I said, that year had been awful. It had been the worst year of his life, and the devil had shot every 
awful, horrible arrow at him. And I remember the conversation as he got in the car with his friend. He said, Mom, I have nothing. God is not for me. He must be mad at me. I don't deserve any of that, and it is never going to get any better. You see, he had bought into the lie. He had bought Satan's lie. He had what seemed like a veil, blinders over his eyes. Because what if he had settled that day? What if he had listened to that voice telling him he had absolutely nothing? What if he had stayed right here? He wouldn't have walked into a couple of promises. He wouldn't have opened a door of blessings. You see, he was steps away. He was a door away from being blessed. But Cooper did not just come home with an Audi in cash. You know what else he came home with? He came home with a nickname. You see, while he was in Denver, God said, Cooper, you're a warrior. You can fight. You have got this. You stand up because I am before you, I am next to you, and I have got you. He walked through a door he got a nickname, and he got some blessings on one of the roughest days of his life. One of the roughest days of his life. If you spend even a little time on this earth, it changes you. It's hard. It hurts. The people that we love sometimes hurt us. The people that love us, we sometimes hurt. The things that we do, the things that we encounter, the schools that we go to, it all brings sadness sometimes. Life can be incredibly tough. It can distort our thinking. We can lose hope just walking day to day every single day of our life. And we find ourselves somehow thinking we don't deserve better. We should stay in this painful situation. And our enemy tells us that things will not get any easier. You see, our enemy doesn't fight fair. He knows our buttons. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our families. He knows our situations. And that's what he says. And we stand there, chained to a lie, believing it from the enemy. Believing it will always be this way. Guys, what has the enemy told you in your lives? Maybe that you're unworthy, you don't deserve something. 
Maybe you are not good enough. You're not good enough to do something. You're not good enough to, to make it on the team. You're not good enough in school. You're not good enough for your parents. You're not good enough. Whatever he says, that you're broken, that you're defeated, that you're a mistake, that you're stupid, that you're rejected, that you are not wanted, that you're undeserving, you're unqualified, that it will always be like this, that you're ugly. I don't know what it is, but I know that he says it. Maybe he tells you, you will never measure up to this, this image of perfection that somehow got placed in our minds, that somehow got placed in our heads, and we stay here. It's comfortable. And we feel accepted by mediocre suffering. Super comfy. There's a woman in the Bible, and she is not mentioned by her name, but her story is incredibly powerful, incredibly. Are y'all tied in there, Will, or? He's really, man, you're really struggling with your issues, aren't you? Little way down. Little way down? Oh, there's more. Can you stand up, or? Yeah, I just don't want to. You, you just. That's you're just all. comfortable it's in your suffering? Just more of like, yeah, I'm just taking a knee. Would you like to see him stand up a little bit? Nope, he's not going to do it. Okay. Back to this woman I'm about to tell you about. This story is amazing. It's oh. so cool. This woman is not... I'm going to go back down. Just on your... Yeah, this perfect. One, this one's tight. It's Perfect. Perfect. Okay, well, so there's a woman in the Bible, and she's not mentioned by her known name, but her story is powerful. You see, for 12 years, this woman suffered a bleeding disease. And not, back then, it was not as common. And so in her town, in her village, she was shunned. She was made fun of. She could not walk into holy places. She could not go to a church and worship because she had a disease. As she walked through the, the streets in her town, I can imagine her just being laughed at, being said, oh, you are disgusting. You are unworthy. What is she doing in our town? What is she doing out of her house? Why? And this woman felt broken. She felt disgusting. She felt unloved. She could not even support herself because she couldn't go out in the world. But she heard about this so-called so miracle worker named Jesus. And you see, Jesus was making his way through towns and villages, and she heard this guy is healing people. This Jesus that they talk about, he is touching people's eyes and they are seeing. He's raising people from the dead and he is so powerful and he can maybe do something. And I imagine that woman that morning at her house thinking, should I face the crowds? Should I get out of my house? Should I walk through that door? and face the crowds, and maybe, just maybe, get healed, 
And in that moment, she felt this hope rise inside of her. And she thought, oh, this could be my minute. This could be my miracle. He could change my life. He could make everything okay. And so she got up and she walked out the door and she thought to herself, if only I could just touch his robe. If only I could just get one touch. You see, it was like, if you can imagine that day, it was like a Thanksgiving Day parade, if we can think about it in today's times. And everybody is crowding around just to watch the passerby. Everybody wants a glimpse at this Jesus miracle worker. And so she pushes through and she goes through the crowd just in time to touch the bottom of Jesus's robe. The strings, the little tiny threads. You see, Jesus was on a mission. He was going to heal a child. He was gonna go save a baby, which is awesome, big support of that. But he stops, he stops, and he says, who touched me? And he begins to look around. He stops this mission that he's on. He could feel it. And that's not easy to feel, right? Just the strings on the bottom of a rope. But he stops and he looks around and he looks for the very person that touched him. And he looks her in the face. And he says something so he says, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed like that. But wait, she was healed and that is power and that is a miracle and that is amazing. But I see something even bigger in this story. He could have looked around and said, woman. He could have looked around and said, Hey, lady, he could have looked around and said, yo, you, but he didn't. He didn't. She had been called unworthy. She had been called broken. And he looked at her and he said, daughter, daughter. He was saying to her, you're mine. You are mine. That's my girl, my kid, my daughter, and everything I have is hers. She gets it. The God of the universe, because she walked through a door using a key she already had. She got a nickname. She got some healing changed her life forever. She had freedom. She didn't have to hear the laughs and the teasing and the jokes. It's powerful. In Revelations 3.8 it says, I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Can I tell you something? You have the key to the door already in your pocket. You already have it. You have a key to the door already in your pocket. 
And once you begin to just shake off these lies, once you begin to decide to break through and say, no longer does this world get to call me unworthy. No longer does this world get to tell me I'm sad. No longer does this world get to say all of these things. You take out the key that you already have and you walk through the door that God has already laid out and this is yours. It's yours. Woo! <laughs> There's a lot of blessings in here. Well, you got some joy and some happiness. <sighs> wow. Can I be completely honest with you tonight? Can I get real with you? I have heard every single one of these lies from the devil. I've heard every single one of them. I myself was a prodigal. The story that Pastor Will, the story that Pastor Sarah told today, I was a prodigal. And I came home at 17 years old, pregnant. I came home. I came running home to my family. And I began living for God and I began going to church and I began thinking and wanting something better. But I couldn't. You see, my mind kept telling me, you're unworthy. You don't deserve this. God knows what you did while you were out there. God knows that you are not very good. And the enemy began to lie to me. He began telling me that I was still a broken sinner. That these gifts, that these awesome things, they were for the super Christians. The good kids that stayed home. The good kids that, that never did anything wrong. The good kids... They were always perfect. And so there I s sat with shame and guilt and unworthiness. And truthfully, there was a point in time in my life that I could not look in a mirror because the devil had told me, you are ugly. You are disgusting. You are unloved. No one will ever love a single teenage mother. It's what he told me. But it was in a service that I heard a pastor speak of blessings. You know the one where the pastor is talking directly to you and you're looking around like, how does he know that about me? What? Did somebody give the pastor my diary? Oh! <gasps> I am just so upset about that's the one. But I sat there and somehow, some way, God broke through. He said, you have the key in your pocket. You already have it. It's already yours. You have it. You have the key. 
All you have to do is unlock the door. But then he said to me, all those lies that the devil's telling you, mm -mm. you're my beloved. That's my nickname. The God of the universe calls me the 17-year-old pregnant mom, beloved. He calls me that. The girl back then never, ever could have stood on a stage and proclaimed God's goodness, ever. And because of this key, because of this nickname, he gave me blessings. He gave me joy, gave me happiness. He told me I was a masterpiece. He told me he made me. He told me that I was beautiful to him. He called me a diamond last week. The rarest, most beautiful stone. And I am here to tell you, every pastor that steps foot up here has had one of these encounters. They have gone from, I am not wanted, to I am adopted. They have gone to, I can't take out what's in front of me, to I am a giant slayer. Every single one of us have done it. And guys, I am not saying that God has a brand new Audi, okay? I hope he does. I'm not saying he has a whole bunch of cash, just gonna hand it over, or a new wardrobe. I am not saying it, but I am saying this. His promise is whatever your need is, he's gonna give it to you. He is gonna give it to you. And then he's gonna bless you some more and he's gonna give you some friends and he's gonna give you some goodness and he's gonna give you some happiness and some joy. And he has whatever you are searching for. He has it, it's yours. open the door and he wants to tell you who you are to him he wants to tell you destiny God wants you to know in fact he told me in the middle of the night you are a jewel you are a unique beautiful jewel one that is so rare, one that is so wanted. He looks at every single one of his kids and he calls you by a special nickname, a special one that is only between you and him. I look out and I see kids that are loved, kids that are chosen, kids that are set apart. Tavia, you are set apart. You're set apart for whatever he has for you. He has called you, he has chosen you, and you are set apart from everything else. He loves you so much.
so I ask you, what is your nickname? Have you ever asked him? Have you ever said, God, you and I are buds like I'm one of your kids? What do you call me? What I want to do is I want everybody in just a minute to come down. I want you to get alone with the God of the universe because he is going to tell you who you are to him. And after he tells you who you are to him and you believe it and it resonates and it's in your heart, then he's going to say, oh, I got some good friends. Here you go. A little splash of good friends. I got something else for you. I got a good home. I got some peace for your parents. No more fighting. I'm going to bring some peace. I'm going to bring some joy. I'm going to bring some love. I am going to bring whatever you need. But first, first, I want to whisper your name because you are worthy. And every voice that has ever said you're not is a lie from the pits of hell. So come down, get alone, get away from your friends. This is a moment where we get on our knees, we get away from people, we stay completely away from our friends. Many times when I'm seeking out the words that God wants to tell me, I am face down in my Bible. I am face down on a floor saying, tell me, tell me what you need to tell me. And this is what I am suggesting you do right now. I'm gonna pray over you before we just seek Close your eyes, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for every single created child in this room by your hands. Father, I bind the spirit of lies that has told them they are not worthy, that they are broken, that they are defeated. Every lie they have ever heard in their life, I silence that voice right now in the name of Jesus. I silence it. It is no more. And I say, Father, open their ears right now. Open their ears, open their eyes, and let them experience you. Let them hear you. Let them feel you. Let them know you are there. And speak your truth, speak your truth into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And guys, what I propose you do right now is just listen. There is gonna be prayer counselors and they're gonna be moving throughout this room, but I want you to hear from God. As Joe and Julie play this music and sing.
Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.